Welcome to No News. I'm your host, Joel Seymour, and this is where the good news is. On this week, we are going to continue to look at how people are making their society the best they can in the midst of the coronavirus, whether that be locally, corporately, or globally. First up is an article from CNN. This Alaskan man is making a 14-hour boat trip to Costco every week to supply his small city with groceries amid the pandemic. A grocer in a remote Alaskan region that's only accessible by boat or plane is going above and beyond to keep his small city fed during the coronavirus pandemic. Toshua Parker, owner of Icy Strait Wholesale in Gustavos, has been making a weekly boat trip with his staff to Juneau, the state's capital, 50 miles away, to restock on essential food and supplies at Costco. It takes them about 14 hours to complete the journey on a 96 feet long converted military landing craft. Gustavos is a coastal community that borders Glacier Bay National Park. For the city's 450 residents, the only place to buy groceries is Toshco the local's nickname for Parker's store. Parker usually has food and supplies shipped from Costco to his store aboard the state's ferry system, but it's no longer running to Gustavo's because of the pandemic, as well as damage caused by the city's dock by severe storms. Without an alternative delivery method and his city quickly running short of food and supplies, Parker decided to take the matter into his own hands. Quote, it's funny, because for us, this doesn't seem like a big deal, the small business owner told CNN. Quote, Alaskans are fiercely independent and resourceful. You really have to be to survive out here. So, when a problem arises, we don't typically look to someone else for help. We just find a way to do it. Working with his employees and local fishermen, Parker has been making the boat trip about once a week since March, scheduling his trips around the tides and weather. After docking in Juneau, they buy supplies from Costco and load them on the boat. When storms hit while the team is on their way back to Gustavos, which has happened a few times, they return to Juneau, unload the groceries into coolers, and wait for the next weather break before reloading the supplies and attempting the trip again. While Gustavus' community has been incredibly grateful for Parker's effort to keep the city running, he gives the real praise to his staff for, quote, going to work every day during this pandemic to make sure our town stays supplied. No matter the obstacles, Parker said that his city will always find a way to survive. Quote, the town needed to be supplied with groceries, so we just did whatever it took to make that happen. Just another day in our world. Next year, it will be another obstacle to overcome, and we'll buck up and deal with it. Now, for me, when I read this article, I, I think it's interesting how Parker, he doesn't bat an eye as if like of course this is what needs to happen of course this is what i'm going to do but even even though it is a necessity even though he needed to do that in order to get supplies for his his town 
Just because it's mandatory doesn't mean that it should not be recognized and it should not be appreciated. It makes sense for him both socially, locally, and especially financially to keep things stocked, but what he does to do that is far from easy. The fact that he is making this trip weekly, the fact that he has to convince others to do that as well, or maybe he doesn't, maybe they are just as uh, determined as he is to, to get this done. In fact, I'm from what I've read, I'm sure that's the case. Regardless of that though, regardless of how much they desire to do this, it's still not easy. But without them stepping up to the occasion, his entire community would be horribly affected by all of this. They need groceries, they need those supplies, and Parker is the one who's going out and doing it. That is amazing. Even if it's necessary, that is amazing. He sees what he's doing simply as normal. And even though at first that may seem like he's underselling himself, I think that's what makes this story so special. I think that's what makes Parker so unique. And to, to apply it to a broader scale, obviously for most people, especially in the United States, you don't have to travel 50 miles on a uh, ex-military ship in the icy cold waters of Alaska just to get some gushers. But I, I want to apply the same thinking that Parker does. This idea that this, is, this isn't too out of the ordinary. What I'm trying to say is this. We've been waiting for a normal life to start up again in the midst of coronavirus. We're, we're waiting for normal life to happen once again. Or some people even are anticipating a new normal that after all of this is over, there will be some new kind of society that is different from what we're used to. And we're going to have to get used to that. And while I have been doing these things as well, I think what's going to be most helpful to you and to your community, to the people around you, is to realize that this, for a little while longer, is normal. That the life of quarantine, the life of self-isolation, the life in the midst of a pandemic and a coronavirus, that hopefully it won't be normal for long, but this is everyday life as it is now. Now that isn't to be bleak. In fact, this is an opportunity for us. This is our chance like Parker, to make this normal life worth living in and worth thriving in. This is our chance to impact our community for the best. We may not be the only source of food for an entire town, but we still have people that either depend on you or that can be blessed by you. And that is what our normal should be like. So, like Parker said, next year it may be another obstacle. Who knows what 2021 has to offer? Or heck, who even knows what June has to offer? But in Juno, there is someone who's doing something very special that we should mimic. There are people that are in this together and making the most of what that has to offer.
is an article from NBC News. Twitter employees can work from home forever, CEO says. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey told his employees Tuesday that many of them will be allowed to work from home in perpetuity, even after the coronavirus pandemic ends, according to a company spokesperson. Quote, opening offices will be our decision, the spokesperson said. When and if our employees come back, we'll be theirs. In an email first obtained by BuzzFeed News, Dorsey said it was unlikely that Twitter would open its offices before September, and that all in-person events would be canceled for the remainder of the year. The company will assess its plans for 2021 events later this year. Quote, we were uniquely positioned to respond quickly and allow folks to work from home, given our emphasis on decentralization and supporting a distributed workforce capable of working from anywhere, the spokesperson said. Quote, the past few months have proven we can make that work. So, if our employees are in a role and situation that enables them to work from home and they want to continue to do so forever, we will make that happen. If not, our offices will be their warm and welcoming selves, with some additional precautions, when we feel it's safe to return. Twitter's new policy comes as businesses o- across the nation are struggling to adapt to social distancing guidelines and rethinking how they will operate in a post-pandemic world. Major tech companies such as Facebook, Google, Microsoft were e- early to move to a work-from-home model and have also been the most cautious in planning for, our, for moving employees back into the office. Google has told employees that the vast majority of them will work from home until 2021, though some will return early this summer. Facebook will similarly start to reopen offices after the July 4th weekend, but will let employees who are able to work from home do so until next year. So the reason why I chose to really highlight this article, at first it doesn't seem like majorly exhilarating good news, but I think this highlights one of the very few blessings uh, of this pandemic, And, and that's the opportunity to question the societal habits we've simply been indoctored to in order to see how we as societies can work together better. That's a very, very heady idea and very idealistic, I know, but I feel as though before this, there was a silent stigma around the idea of working from home. Obviously, I'm not in the workforce fully, so I can't really vouch for sure for that, but from what I've heard, from what I've seen, and from how I have seen work approached, this seems to be the case. But now, as that has become the only option in many professions, people are seeing benefits and opportunities that working from home provides, and they're starting to see it as a legitimate or even a more optimal solution. It's going to change from business to business, but if this continues on after the pandemic, it could bring a better life to individuals in society as a whole. 
I know of many businesses that have seen higher productivity and higher morale. I know people who are feeling better about their work and closer to their families at the same time, that they feel more productive, that they feel like they are getting more out of their job and out of their home life because of the merging of the two. And if this idea continues, there will be thousands, if not millions of people without the need to commute, wasting time and fuel. This, at least to me, is an exciting story because it promises a very probable future where society changes for the best, where we examine the things that we've always taken for granted and see if there's something that we can do to make that in a better experience, a better product, a better life. And that's what I hope. That's what I hope that we get out of this pandemic, whether it is corporately or not. What I hope is that this gives us a way to see life that was blinded to us before, but now is revealed. That we can see what we can do to make our lives better, more importantly, other people's lives better. Finally, I have three stories that I want to cover that are all about the fight against the virus itself. For the most part, these past couple of weeks, I've been putting them all in a clump at the end of articles that you can check out yourself, but I think it's important to highlight them in full, or at least look into them further. First, from Sky News, coronavirus vaccine for 30 million Britons by September if trial succeeds. Plans are in place to roll out a COVID-19 vaccine to 30 million people by September if trials are successful, Business Secretary Alok Sharma has said. It comes as the UK announced a further 170 deaths of people with coronavirus, the lowest since the day after lockdown began. Speaking at Sunday's Downing Street News Conference, which was delayed due to technical difficulties, the cabinet minister said work by the University of Oxford to find an effective drug was progressing well. But while pointing out the government had now committed more than a quarter of a billion pounds toward developing a COVID-19 vaccine in the UK, Mr. Sharma warned there was no certainty one would ever be found. He said, quote, in order to definitely conquer this disease, we need to find a safe, workable vaccine. Last month, I announced a new vaccine task force to coordinate the efforts of government, academia, and industry in the critical mission to find a vaccine. I'm very proud of how quickly our scientists and researchers have come together in their efforts developing a vaccine that will combat coronavirus. The first clinical trial of the Oxford vaccine is progressing well, with all phase one participants having received their vaccine dose on schedule earlier this week. 
the speed at which Oxford University has designed and organized these complex trials is genuinely unprecedented. The article itself continues on with more details, but this isn't the only promising progression in the fight against coronavirus. In fact, there were two others that really stood out to me. According to Science, T-cells found in COVID-19 patients bode well for long-term immunity. Immune warriors known as T-cells help us fight some viruses, but their importance for battling SARS-CoV-2, the virus that caused COVID-19, has been unclear. Now, two studies reveal infected people harbor T-cells that target the virus and may help them recover. Both studies also found some people never infected with SARS-CoV-2 have these cellular defenses, most likely because they were previously infected with other coronaviruses. Quote, this is encouraging data, says virologist Angela Rausman of Columbia University. Although the studies don't clarify whether people who clear a SARS-CoV-2 infection can ward off the virus in the future, both identified strong T-cells responses to it, which, quote, bodies well for the development of long-term protective immunity, Rossman said. The findings could also help researchers create a better vaccine. The more than 100 COVID-19 vaccines in development mainly focus on another immune response, antibodies. These proteins are made by B cells and ideally latch onto SARS-CoV-2 and prevent it from entering cells. T cells, in contrast, thwart infections in two different ways. Helper T cells spur B cells and other immune defenders into action, whereas killer T cells target and destroy infected cells. The severity of disease can depend on the strength of these T cell responses. Using bioinformatic tools, a team led by Shane Crotty and Alessandro Set, immunologists at La Jala Institute for Immunology, predicted which viral protein pieces would provoke the most powerful T-cell responses. Then they exposed immune cells from 10 patients who had recovered from mild cases of COVID-19 to these viral snippets. All of the patients carried helper T-cells that recognize SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, which enables the virus to infiltrate our cells. They also harbored T-cells that react to other SARS-CoV-2 proteins. And the team detected virus-specific killer T-cells in 70% of the subjects they report today in cell. Quote, the immune system sees the, this virus and mounts an effective immune response, Set says. The results jibe with those of a study posted as a preprint on MedRxIV on April 22nd by immunologist Andreas Thiel of the Charit University Hospital in Berlin and colleagues. They identified helper T-cells targeted with spike protein in 15 out of 18 participants hospitalized with COVID-19. The teams also asked whether people who haven't been infected with SARS-CoV-2 also produce cells that combat it. Thiel and colleagues analyzed blood from 68 uninfected people and found that 34% hosted helper T-cells that recognized SARS-CoV-2. The Lajala team detected this 
cross-reactivity in about half of stored blood samples collected between 2015 and 2018, well before the current pandemic began. The researchers think these cells were likely triggered by past infections with one of the four human coronaviruses that cause colds. Proteins in these viruses resembles those of SARS-CoV-2. The results suggest, quote, one reason that a large chunk of the population may be able to deal with the virus is that we may have some small residual immunity from our exposure to common cold viruses, says viral immunologist Steve Varga of the University of Iowa. However, neither of the studies attempted to establish that the people with cross-reactivity don't become as ill from COVID-19. Before these studies, researchers didn't know whether T-cells played a role in eliminated SARS-CoV-2, or even whether they could provoke a dangerous immune system overreaction. Quote, These papers are really helpful because they start to define the T-cells component of the immune response, Rossman says. But she and other scientists caution that the results do not mean that the people who have recovered from COVID-19 are protected from reinfection. To spark productions of antibodies, vaccines against the virus need to stimulate helper T-cells, Crotty notes. Quote, it is encouraging that we are seeing good helper T-cell responses against SARS-CoV-2 in COVID-19 cases, he says. Finally, is an excerpt from an article by The Crunch. Sorrento finds a coronavirus antibody that blocks viral infection 100% in preclinical lab experiments. Therapeutic company Sorrento has made what it believes could be a breakthrough in potential treatment for SARS-CoV-2, the virus that leads to COVID-19. The company released details of its preclinical research on Friday, announcing that it has found an antibody that provides, quote, 100% inhibition of SARS-CoV-2 virus infection of healthy cells after four days incubation. The results are from a preclinical study that still has to go under peer review. It was an inverto laboratory study, meaning not in an actual human being. But it's still a promising development as the company continues to work on production of an antibody cocktail that could provide protection against SARS-CoV-2, even in the case of mutations in the virus. Sorrento says it believes that this antibody, which is labeled STI-1499, stood out among billions of candidates it has been screening from its extensive human antibody library for its ability to completely block the interaction of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein with a human cell target receptor. That means it prevents the virus from attaching to the host healthy cell, which is what leads to incubation and infection. Sorrento currently believes it will be the first antibody to be included in the cocktail it is developing, which will be made up of a large number of different antibodies that shows efficiency in blocking the attachment of the spike protein in order to provide multiple avenues of protection that are designed to remain effective even if the virus mutates in transmission from person to person or within the same individual. Now, that article as well continues on to give more detailed information, but I want to make it clear. 
all of this is not to say that there isn't any threat anymore or that we're through the thick of it. These are developing solutions that are extremely promising, but still in development. What this is to say, though, what I am trying to say is that we are getting ever closer to not only putting a stop to this pandemic, but to the power of this virus once and for all. And I think that's important because we are fairly close. We are closer than we may think. So while you are in this new normal, get used to that because we're not done with it. But I hope that you look forward to a better day that is coming soon. Grow and thrive now so that you can do so even more after this is over. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have today. However, the good news is far from over. There are plenty other articles that I just simply didn't have time to go into in depth. However, they are still just as much worth your time. According to CBS News, Jay-Z and Meek Mill sending 10 million surgical masks to U.S. jails and prisons. And as far as continued COVID-19 updates, according to RNZ, no new cases of COVID-19 in New Zealand for the second day running. According to ABC Australia, no remaining cases of coronavirus in South Australia, health authorities confirm. According to VN Express, Vietnam cleared of COVID-19 community infections for 27 days. And according to Taiwan News, Taiwan reports zero new cases 30 days without local infections. And according to The Star, Cambodia, all COVID-19 patients recovered, country free a virus. According to Routers, Denmark reports zero coronavirus deaths for the first time since March. And also according to Routers, second virus wave very unlikely in Denmark, says expert. So again, let me just reiterate, take a moment to pause here. We are not through the thick of it, but we are getting close. So embrace this new normal now in the ways that are most helpful and that are most beneficial to the people around you. And as you exit this new normal into the next normal life, let's remember what we learned. Because our time of tutoring is almost over. Now, back to the articles itself. Interesting COVID-19 related news. Uh, according to ABC News, New York City breaks record 58 straight days with no pedestrian deaths. According to The Guardian, Japan's suicide declines as COVID-19 lockdown causes shift in stress factors. Now, as for environmental news, according to the Planetary Press, Houston commits to 100% renewable energy in step toward carbon neutrality. And according to Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis, 
renewables likely to top coal generations in U.S. this year. That is wonderful news, and we can see some of that in action as well. According to oilprice.com, Trump administration approves largest U.S. solar project ever. According to CNN, an endangered pygmy hippo was born at the San Diego Zoo, the first in over 30 years. And finally, according to Yonhap News Agency, South Korea to provide 10,000 masks to Native American veterans. If you want to read that article or any of the ones that I mentioned above, as I highly suggest you do, you can find links to all of them in the show notes of this episode or on my website, joelseymour.com slash no news. That's joel, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R dot com slash K-N-O-W-N-E-W-S. And if you have an article that uh, of good news that you want to share with me or if you want to update me on the good news that you yourself are making, please do so. You can contact me on my Instagram or on my Twitter at Joel Can Seymour. That's just like my name, just with can in the middle. Joel Can S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. Other than that, that should be it. So I hope you have a great day and that you do some good. Mm-hmm.